Well, if you could stand for the reading of God's word, go to John chapter 4, and the kids are dismissed. John chapter 4 is there in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And let's look at chapter 4. Let's see what the Lord says to us this morning here. And it says, I wait for you to get there so you can read it as well. John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 29. Let's look at a few verses here. Uh, we'll go to John, uh, chapter 4, verse 29, 30. Then we're going to jump to 39 and uh, all the way to 42. So it says, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In verse 39, if you jump there, it says, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which te uh, testified, I'm sorry, he told me all that ever I did. And when the Samaritans would come unto, unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with him, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy sayings, but for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. I pray, Father, pray, Father, Lord, for if there's someone here this morning that never received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, may today, Lord, they will ask you forgiveness of their sin, open their hearts call upon you for salvation. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Question here. You may be seated. I'm sorry. It says right here in, in the end of verse 42, it says, it says, Now we believe not because of thy sayings, because the, the woman uh, went and told her, the, the people in the town what happened to her. But it says, For we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Is a question. Who is Jesus to you? They made a decision about Jesus themselves right there. The question is, who is Jesus to you? Is he just a religious figure? Is he just like a prophet? Is he just like a, a person in history? Or is he just the Christ, the Son of the living God? See, that's, this woman came down to, he says, he, he is the, the, the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. This, these people began to believe. And they said, not because you told us the stuff, because what we heard from him. Now, when we read the Bible, do we come to the conclusion that he is indeed God? He is indeed the Savior? Or we just, just read for read? Because many people have, have a notion of what Jesus is, and they talk about back and forth. But I tell you what, it's one thing about, oh, I believe in Jesus. All right. Oh, I, uh, I know Jesus existed. Another thing to say, I have Jesus as my Savior. That song was, goes right with this message. I tell you what, yeah, I have Jesus as my Savior. What a difference. Because when you have Jesus as your Savior, the Bible is different to you. It's personal letters from our Heavenly Father to us. When a person is not saved, they can read the Bible all day long. Those letters don't belong to him or to her. The Bible belongs to those who are Christians. 
who are the children of God. You see, it is one thing to be Christian in religion. Oh, I was baptized in this church. Oh, my name is this. I'm a member of this church. That is, that is a religious thing. It's another thing to be a Christian. You know what a Christian is? A follower of Christ. That's what a word Christian is. I am a follower of Christ. That means I live by the book. I do what he says. Now what I want to say is what he says. So, who is Jesus to you? That's a good question for all of us to answer ourselves. Who is he to you? I asked that question to, I, I repeat, I, I think I mentioned that last week. And I, and I never forget that because this man is a religious man. He's been baptized, goes to church every Sunday, and I ask him the question, who is Jesus to you? And the answer, you know the answer, because I said that several times, he's a lunatic. I said, all right, that's a good answer. I said, that's your final answer? Yeah. Wow. That's what I said. Wow. You know who's Jesus to me? He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who he is, my Savior. That's why I preach, I proclaim, I go tell others about him, because I believe that He is my Savior. I believe He is the Lord, the Creator of all. So, do you ever been... <laughs> we as people, we do things without thinking many times. You ever been there? We do so many times that we do without thinking. And, and sometimes, you know, because we do without thinking, we end up hurting ourselves and we get surprised. Because we did it without thinking. Well, this man, young man, uh, you ever see, I mean, it fascinates me. You ever see uh, iron workers, people that build those big skyscrapers, and you look up, and they're up there, and you say, what in the world? I would never do that. <laughs> you know, I saw a program one time, one guy, he's sitting on a beam, like in 34 floors up, and he's eating a sandwich with his lunch bag right there, no harness, nothing. He was just sitting in the beam. And, the, and of course, the people with the camera went up there. I don't know how they went up there. And I asked him, are you afraid? Or you ever been afraid? And he says, the moment I'm afraid, I quit. <laughs> I like talking about some, some guts. But anyway, there's a young man. I'm going to share with you as we move on. There was a young man who was working on a 34-story uh, building. And in that morning, he, he was putting steel for, uh, uh, on the floor, and suddenly something happens. The young man missed a step walking along one of the steel beams, and because of, of it, uh, he was not uh, wearing anything. He was just walking along, and he was working. He fell down. He just missed a step, and he fell. And, but he, he, he managed to hold down to another beam as he was falling down. And he said it felt like, after the fact he said, it felt like somebody uh, ripped his arms off of the sockets as he came down with that pressure and then he hold down too. And it's amazing when you see movies, you see people falling and suddenly they grab something and they become superheroes. You know what? Real life doesn't happen that way, folks. You know, so, so he hang out there in the beam for several minutes till he heard the voice of a rescue worker saying to him, let go of the beam. I'm here to help you. But fear took hold of his, of his heart and, and mind, and he would not let go of the beam. Then he heard the rescue worker again saying, let go of the beam. Trust me, for you're going to be okay. But the young man would not let go of the, because he was petrified with fear. 
And, and this scenario went on for several minutes with no result. After some time, the young man took the rescue worker and said, Please help me. I trust you. Slowly let go of the beam and with both hands began to hold the rescue worker who took him to safety. Trust is a big word, folks. I can say I trust this or that or this, whatever is the case, but unless I react to that trust, it's just words. You know, for you to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've got to do something. You've got to ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. You have to call upon Him to be your Savior. And you have to trust that His word is true, that what He says is true and real to you. So trust is a big word. It involves us getting rid of something that we've been holding on for so long and embrace something else. When we're comfortable trusting something that we deep, uh, we, we deep inside know that will take us nowhere and, and to let it go and entrust us something else and, and, and sometimes fear holds a, a grip, uh, has a grip on us. So, uh, uh, let me put it this way. There are people that hold to something that they know is not going to take them anywhere, but they need to let it go to trust something else. Listen, if we're going to trust Jesus as our Savior, we need to let go of religion. We need to let go of, oh, my name is written somewhere. We need to let go of that so we can embrace Him for who He is. For example, this woman here this morning that we're reading, reading and people calling that lady on the well. All right, so this woman never mentioned that her trip to the well that morning would cause her to become a missionary. But God knew what was going to happen. So let's look at few, uh, for a few minutes here at this woman, the Samaritan woman, and let's look at her in, inside of her life. And I think her life resembled the many lives in this planet. And many people have even more trouble than this woman. But this woman is a woman that went to the well, and she was a woman full of trouble. All right, so that's number one, uh, a troubled woman. So there are all types of views and philosophies out there when it comes to God, heaven, and trust. And this woman was not much different from any of us. Everyone has an opinion, and this woman had her opinion too. So we live in a world today that everybody has an opinion about God. You know, some people never read a Bible in their life, but they heard all oh, the Bible says that. I mean, you know, I love the phrase, I like to say that. Oh, people, uh, uh, God help those who help themselves. It's in the Bible, then you show me, I want to read it. It's not there. Okay? So many people assume things because somebody said it's in the Bible. Uh, you know what? People have a view of God. That's why some people say, oh, my Jesus would never do that. Oh, my God would never do that. And you look and you scratch your head and you go, where did you find that? You see, for us to know who God is and what he is and what he thinks and the way he acts, we need to be students of the Bible. Because that's there where you're going to find the character of God. Does God want you to lie? I don't know. Well, read the Bible. What does God say about stealing? Oh, I don't know. I'll read the Bible. What does God say about treating others? Oh, I don't know. I treat others the way I... Uh, read the Bible. See, it's all here. The Bible reveals the character of God. And you know what? It displays who we are. You can see yourself in the Bible. It's like a mirror. So this woman 
went to the well that morning, and this woman had some trouble in her life. So, but let me put it this way. Everyone has an opinion, and this woman has an opinion too. So, but even with her opinion, when Jesus approached her, she was, listen to this, a lost soul. She, like many people today, was a fish swimming in, a, in this world's ocean with no aim, no direction. She was lost in need to be rescued. This is a problem of so many people. Let me put it this way. If you never received Jesus as your Savior, according to the Bible, you are a lost person. And if you die in your condition, you will never make it to heaven. You say, well, but I thought that everybody that, that goes to heaven because God loves everyone. It's not in the Bible, folks. You do not find that in the Bible. God is a God of love, yes. God loves His creation, yes. But God is a God of justice. And because He's a God of justice, He must and He will punish sin. With sin, all the wrong that you do and I, God has to punish sin. So, so like many people today, we are, there are many fish swimming in, the, in, in uh, many people swimming this world's ocean with no aim, no direction. She, uh, she was lost and needed to be rescued. So that is a, a, that is a problem for many people, like I said. You know, if what we do is living for Friday or living for the weekend, like people, some song is out there living for the weekend, you know what? Uh, you are lost. People are like, oh, I'm going to work all week, and the weekend I'm going to have fun. It was Sunday. You know what Sunday is? It's the Lord's Day. It's the day that we give God the glory. You know what? If you were a Christian, get used to it. You know what? Because when you get to heaven, that's what we're going to do for all eternity. Is give God, God glory for all eternity. You said, oh, you know what? So I'm going to hell. I'm going to have fun with my friends playing the drums and the guitars. We're having a good time, party all day. You know, you don't want to do that. You know why? Because no such place. Hell is a place of torment and pain and suffering for all eternity. Listen, if you have a little headache, you want to, take, you want to get some Tylenols, right? Who wants a headache? You know, you know, in hell is a headache for all eternity. There's no cure for it. So we see here. We see this woman, it was a woman that went to the well with trouble. So letter A, we see, we see her isolation. Look at verse 6 and verse 7 of, of, of the, of the book of John. It says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on a well, and it was about the sixth hour. So Jesus walked all the way there, and he was tired in his humanity, and he sat in a well. And it says in verse 7, then there coming a woman, a Samaritan, Specifically, the Bible says a Samaritan. There's a purpose for this. Uh, to draw water, Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Well, that's pretty demanding, isn't it? That's a strange woman right there. Approaches the well and give me to drink. It's like, you know, I never met Barbara in my life. And I, I'm sitting at the well. And Barbara comes and doesn't get a, a little thing of water. And I say to her, Hey, give me some drink. <laughs> and Barbara says, Excuse me? <laughs> So this woman came to Jacob's well to draw water. That was a need of those days. Listen, folks, we have to thank God for what we have and the blessings that we have. You know, in those days, there was no hot water in the house. There was no water run through the pipes. If you want water, you had to go to the public well and get some water. And that's one thing they did, they did daily. You need water to take a shower, 
You go oh, wash up, you go get water. You need water to cook, you need to go get water. You need water for everything. So praise the Lord, we have water in our homes. You know, so, so this woman went there to draw water. So, and Jesus sitting there. So history tells us about uh, that there was about a mile from the town to, to the well where she went draw water. So it was a good walk. So drawing and carrying water for the day was hot, sweaty work. And woman was had that task of doing that. So while they, they, were, uh, they were there, and you know, Jesus was sitting there. So this woman, is, in her isolation, and we're going to see about this. So think about it. Uh, uh, why did this woman not come with the other woman, which was common, a common practice of the day? Woman didn't want to go by themselves to the well. They, they went together for company and for protection, of course. So this woman didn't do that. She went alone. Why? Let's look at verse 17 and verse 18. And the woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thy as well said, I have no husband. For thy has five husbands, and he whom thou, thou, I'm sorry, thou now hast is not thy husband. In that said thou truly. So this woman, you can see what, what is her isolation here. It was simple this. Little towns, I live in a little town. You don't want to be the talk of the town. You follow that? One thing I grew up in my hometown was this. Ladies were very, very cautious, especially teenagers, older or single ladies, very, very cautious, because if they had a bad name, they were never got married. Marriage was off the limits for them. When it's word travel that so-and-so did this and so-and-so is doing that, or so-and-so is, that's it, that was it. So this woman right here, she had what? Five husbands. And the one that she had now was not even her husband. She was shacking up with the man. So can you imagine the talk of the town? I don't think this woman had many friends. She probably was very lonely. The reason why you see her going early in the morning to get water because I don't think the other one wanted to go with her. Or if she went with them, you know what? She probably would be feeling very bad the way they were talking. Little towns, everybody knows everybody. You know, uh, you know the town I grew up, we knew each other by name. You know, I knew everybody in town by name. So it was in those days. So this woman had a problem, and her problem caused her to be isolated. She was a lonely person. She walked alone. So uh, the course of her, of her conversation with Jesus here, it tells us that she, even, she was even isolated from God. Look what it says in verse 20. It says, Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where a man ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, listen up right here. Believe me, the hour, is, the hour cometh when ye shall, ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. So even the little worship that she managed to work in her sinful life was, not, was no use for spirituality. She was, not, she was an outcast both physically as well spiritually. She is a picture of every person who is not in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, folks, there are many people this morning sitting in churches who are spiritually dead. What does that mean? They listen about Jesus, but they have no relationship with God. You know what they have? Religion. And religion will never take you to heaven, folks. Jesus didn't die for religion. Jesus died for you and me. So he wants you to have a relationship with him. 
You see, this woman understood. She had religion. She understood some things, but that's what she had. You know, there are a lot of people that know some th stuff about God, but that's the only thing they know. She was an outcast, both physically and spiritually. She, she was a picture, like I said, of many lost people. The Bible says our, our sinful condition separates us from God. What a miserable condition to be in, and what a miserable condition to die in. You see, folks, we think that God is about this small sometimes. There are people that think that God is about this small. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you ever did, did you ever put your, your hands in a, or call your hands or close your hand and make a little hole and look straight at the sun? Did you ever done that when you were a kid? I mean, Patty did that. I, I've done that. Like, you look straight at the sun, and you look and you see the sun like this little ball of fire. And you can see, like, wow. Or you look at the moon, and you go like this, and you go, oh, I can grab the moon with my fingers. You know what? That's the way some people view God. They look, I can grab God like this. And we think we're that powerful. You know what, folks? It's the opposite. We are this small and God is big. We think we're in control. We can do everything. God says, oh, you, you, you child, let me look at you. I'm, 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 I'm your creator. You're just a product of my creation. But these are the opposite. People live life like they have everything. God is insignificant. But you know, in the end, they will die. And they will face the judge of the earth. And you know what? You and I have an appointment with God. All of us here will meet God and will give an answer for the life that we live. That's what the Bible teaches. So let it, let it be, sir, her ignorance in these verses, this poor woman tried to argue religion with Jesus. Imagine that. The creator of all, the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, the one who's about to go to Calvary's cross to die for our sins, is sitting at the well, and this woman is arguing religion with Jesus. Praise the Lord for the patience of Jesus, isn't it? May we learn that. We have to be patient with those who don't know the Lord. Look at her ignorance here. Look what she said. Uh, I mean, actually, she's, she actually she talks about religion in verse 9. She uses sarcasm and, uh, and ridicule in verse 11, 12, and 15. She tried to bring up religion dispute in verse 19 to 20 and in an attempt to escape the penetrating statements of Jesus in verse 16 to 18. Look what it says. Let's look at verse 16. It says, Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Well, that's a penetrating thing that Jesus said. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For you have what? Five husbands. Can you imagine that when like a knife right through your heart and said, so how could this man know that I had five husbands? You see, though all this, uh, Jesus show, uh, show her how little... I know something is wrong with my microphone here. It's kind of sporadically, the sound kind of spreads out. Or is that just me? Okay. <laughs> the sound room does not exist until we have a problem. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Jesus tells her that if she only knew, she, sh uh, she could ask Jesus for living water. And she could be forever satisfied. Let me tell you folks this way. Why would Jesus say this, talk about living water right here? Jesus said, if you draw water from this well, you will drink and be thirsty again. That's reality, right? 
You can drink a gallon of water right now, give it about three or four hours later, you'll be thirsty again. That's reality. You know why? Because that's what we need for our physical body. But Jesus said, if you, live, uh, if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst. What is that? I'll tell you what. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, when we know him, when he, he communes with us, let me put it this way, he, he quenches the, the desires of our heart, the thirst of our soul. That's what he does. He said, that's what he's talking to her. He's talking to her about spiritual things here. And she said, he's saying to her, if you receive me as your Savior, if you, re if you ask forgiveness of your sin, I'll give you this water that no one can satisfy. I can satisfy you. I don't know about you, but I am content with life. Are you content? Listen, life is full of problems. And every one of us have one, right? But when we content in the Lord because he satisfies the longings of our hearts, we go through those problems. We, live, we go through those problems. And then we're telling you, listen, she got saved. She went home. It didn't change her situation. She's still unmarried and living, shacking up with somebody. But you know what? She had that living water in her heart right now. She could change her condition. So we see the, her ignorance here. Let's go to number three, or point number three, her inconsistency. We see this from verse 11 to verse 26. Here she is a woman with a, a, a wrecked past, a, living in a sinful life, and yet arguing religion with the Lord Jesus Christ. She demonstrated a picture of hypocrisy in action. How many people in our world today literally argue with God and no more than God knows? You know, and when we as Christians go try to tell them about the Lord, they make an argument with you. And folks, you know what? Don't get offended with them. Be patient. You know why? Because they're not arguing with you. They're arguing with God. Because you're just a messenger. You see, no, people that tend to do this kind of thing all the time. Everybody thinks they are qualified to argue with God. They say, well, I think this or that. I believe this way or that way. I know what the I, I know what the Bible says. No, they don't. No, they don't. When a person resists the truth of the gospel, is listen to me, folks. Foolishness. Foolishness to resist the gospel. Do you do? Do you know? Uh, I'm sorry. Who do? Uh, who do you think we are to argue? I mean, who do we? Who do I think I am to argue with God? Did you know that that it does not matter who you are and what? Your status in life will be God is always going to be God. And you know one thing, folks? At the foot of the cross, we're all the same. We're all the same. See, this woman right here is sitting next to the Jesus Christ, to the Lord, and she's arguing your religion with God. Number two, we see a trusting Savior. Look at verse 4. The Bible, in verse 4, uh, the Bible tells us that he must needs go to Samaria. Most Jews went miles out of the way to go around Samaria to avoid coming in contact with Samaritans. The Bible does not name this woman, but this, the Bible says she was a Samaritan. Purposely, you know why? Because the Samaritans were half-breed kind. You know, they were half-Jews and half-other other bloods. And you know what? The Jewish people, the Jews, didn't want nothing to do with them. So they were used to avoid going through Samaria. You know what? Jesus went right through Samaria. You know what? Praise the Lord for divine appointments. 
there was a woman, even with her trouble, even with her situation in life, guess what? She was looking for God. And you know what? God did not disappoint her. He was right there waiting for her. Who got there in the well first? Jesus did. He was sitting waiting for her. I tell you what, how many times we, as Christians, we go to a place, and, and before we know, we talk with somebody about the Lord. Is that coincidence? I don't think so. It's called divine appointments. People who are searching for God. And you know what? The Lord sent us. Is in the book of Acts, Philip, is somebody looking, and Lord, the Lord sent him. That man got saved, then baptized. So those divine appointments, the Lord was looking for her, so the Lord was waiting for her. You know what? If you're not saved here this morning, don't you know that God is waiting for you? He said, what do you mean? He's waiting for you to open your heart and ask forgiveness so He can come in and save you. Again, I tell you what. If we depart from this world without Jesus, it's the worst and the most colossal mistake you and I can make. A trusting Savior here. So thank God that Jesus does not operate like man, other men does. Thank God that Jesus is not prejudiced. Thank God that Jesus does not discriminate anyone to come to him. He did not care about their uh, inheritance. He did not care about their hatred for Samaritans. He did not care about the racial, uh, racial lines uh, uh, drawn by ignorant men. Jesus went to Samaria. You know why? Because there was a woman looking for him. Our God operates in a realm of grace, not of race. I tell you what, even today, it don't matter what language you speak, what nationality you may be, we come from, what color the skin you might have, God loves you and wants to save you and wants you to go to his heaven. That's our God. You see, John 4, 27, it says, And upon this came his disciples and marveled, Marvel. I mean, they were surprised. They're taken back and what? The, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman? Wow, this is, this is different. So it said the, the Bible says they marvel and that, that he talked with, this, with, the, with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with, with her? So if Jesus had acted like any other Jew, it would have passed this woman and her town altogether. How many people never received him as Savior because he wouldn't go there? But I tell you what, everywhere we go, take the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. You know what? The title of the message is, you can be a missionary. You can be a missionary. You can be a missionary. I can be. Actually, now we can be. We are missionaries. We are those who bring the gospel message. Listen, folks, that's who we are. God, the, God, the Lord tells, tells me, and you go ye into the world. Do what? There you go. Preach the gospel to whom? Every creature. Not just stay there, but baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and what? Of the Holy Ghost. You see, we're all missionaries. In our own ways, missionaries. And Jesus gives that over here, and we're going to see this woman get saved, and this woman becomes a great missionary without not knowing much. Some people say, I never witnessed because I don't know how to speak for the Lord that much. I just got saved. This woman didn't know, have a clue. She didn't know anything. But we're going to see what the power of the gospel does in people's hearts. So we see right here, 
Let me go down a little bit. Okay, I'm sorry. I get lost my trust. So a trusting Savior right here. And uh, letter A there, it says, a, a, uh, let me give you the point. God's reaching grace. Jesus worked with this woman patiently. He, he took her where she, she found her and gently, gently led her to a saving grace. Let me put it this way. May we learn here today. You know the arguments don't resolve problems? Do you ever see people arguing with each other? Before you know it, they're in the competition to see who's the one that screams the loudest. That's what happened with arguments. And in the end, scratch your head, you go away, everybody's mad, and no problem gets resolved. That's arguments. It happens all the time. But you know what? Jesus right here patiently, she's arguing with the Lord, and he patiently begins to tell her about himself, about who he is, about salvation. And guess what? She comes down, and she listens, and she takes it to heart, and she gets saved. When we witness to people, don't get involved in doctrinal issues. Don't get into arguments. You know why? Because in the end, you leave frustrated. Any other person is frustrated as well. You know what we do? We patiently, as the Lord did, we lead them to the saving grace. They say, but if they didn't God say, well, you might plant a, a seed there. You might put water in there. You never, but you know what? Patiently, patiently. That's what we need to do. You see this? I, I've already liked this, folks. Arguments that not resolve problems. You know why companies have meetings constantly all the time? To resolve problems. What are we going to do with this? We're going to do it. The result. So different people have different opinions. Imagine if you go to the meeting, everybody's arguing with each other. I don't think the company is going to go very far. So God's reaching grace. The Lord patiently reaches to the heart of this woman because she has one problem. She has she had five husbands. She's shacking up with somebody. And let me tell you, she needs what? Salvation. Let it be God's priceless gift. Look at verse 10. Jesus said in uh, Jesus sends and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who is it, uh, it is that say it to thee, I'm sorry, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, he would, he would have given thee living water. So Jesus promised this woman that he could give her a drink of living water. Jesus said, you know, the gift of God, literally standing her, telling her here, you know what? You can draw this water, but if you get, accept the water that I give you, the salvation that I'm giving you, it is a priceless thing. Folks, may we never get over the fact that God saved me. May we not get over that fact because it's a priceless gift. What the Lord did to go to Calvary's cross to be spit on, to be crowned with thorns on it, to have his body ripped apart, to be nailed to a cross so I can get saved? Do I deserve such salvation? Do I deserve such grace and such mercy? I'm looking at myself. I tell you, well, I don't know about you, but me, I don't deserve such mercy and grace. God offers here a priceless gift to this woman. Number three, we're almost done. We see a powerful salvation. It is amazing when we stand for something that we believe to be true. Take a stand and try to convince others to believe what we believe. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to give you an example here. So John and his friend Mark were going out to lunch. 
as John driving along, he said to Mark, I love my car. I really love my car. It is so powerful, drives good in the snow because it's all-wheel drive. Do you want to take it for a spin, Mark? Mark turns to John and said, John, this car is one-wheel drive, not all-wheel drive. And that moment, John tried to go out, out of his way to explain to Mark that his car was an all-wheel drive. So after a while, uh, after a while, uh, I'm sorry, after a while of back and forth conversation between the two, Mark finds out that John's car is all-wheel drive. Immediately, Mark turns his tune off. You know, sometimes, you know, we just get hard-headed on things, but when we find the thing to be true, and when we think something is true, how much we argue to get our, our case to go on. But right now, right here, but praise the Lord when we recognize our wrong. And we say, well, you know, you obviously you're right. So letter A, we see here, we see a change in, a, in her activity. Look at verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and, and said to the man. So we see right here, here's a woman that goes to the well with trouble. She married five times. She's shacking up with somebody. She goes in the cool of the morning. She, she, she's isolated because, you know, the town, everybody's talking about her. So she goes by herself. And you know what? He's waiting for her. The Lord is waiting for her. The Lord's waiting for her. She get, patiently lads her to the, to the saving grace. He, she gets saved. Now she goes to town. Look what happened here. Here's a person that just got saved. What I even know much, she goes to the town and what, what's her desire? Tell everybody. She wants to tell everybody what happened to her. You know, folks, it bothers me. I mean, I'm not God. Hear me well. I don't see what's in, in, inside of you, people's hearts. When, when somebody says, I'm a Christian, and has no desire for Bible, church, reading, tell anybody, living like everybody else out there, and they say, I'm a Christian. I don't, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to judge anyone, but I put a big question mark in that salvation. I really do. You see, a change in her activity, when she hears that Jesus is the Messiah, verse 26, she had, she had all the information. She accepts him as a Savior right now. She came for the water, but she left with living water. That's what happened to her. She came lost, but now she's, she left saved. She came religious, but now she left as a Christian. She came unclean. She left clean. She came lost, but she left as a missionary. This woman went, uh, uh, went f uh, from a lost soul to a missionary in a matter of minutes. Right there, she felt compelled to go tell the rest of the town. Her burning desire was to tell someone. Her burning desire was to, to, to go out of, out of her way to tell people to find that living water as well. Folks, what do you think we're doing this morning? We tell people about the living water. There are many people on social media watching us. You know, I don't know who's saved is not saved. You know what? We're here telling people about finding that living water. Did you have that living water? Did you have accept Jesus as your Savior? See, that's the purpose of the Christian life. It's to tell the world that they need Jesus. Folks, I don't care what president is in the White House. You know what's going to change the, the country? It's Jesus. Put Jesus there. You know what's going to change the human heart? The love for God. You know, the problem is God is too far from the minds of people. 
missions is to be the message, the vision, the goal, the desire of the local church. As you like it or not, if you are a Christian here this morning, you are God's representative on earth. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are a testimony of God's mercy and grace. You are a missionary. You know, a missionary is somebody that has a message, has a mission to accomplish. All of us here this morning are missionaries, those of us who are saved. Listen, please, gentlemen, don't just be content on, your fi on financially supporting missions or mis uh, missionaries, but be involved yourself in the work of missions. Missions starts with you. Let it be we see a change in her approach. Look at verse 28 to verse 30. It says, the woman left her water pot. Well, wait. look her happiness. Look her joy. She went for what? To get water, right? She went to the well to get water. She got saved. What happened to the water pot? She left it there. I don't think she could carry water in her, you know, shirt or whatever. She, she, she left the water pot. She's so excited. She left the water pot. Look what it says in the verses. It says, the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said unto the man, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is, this, is, is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now, folks, why didn't she go to the woman of the town? She went to the man. She was the talk of the town. You know, most men work in the fields. The woman were in the town. She was isolated. So she went to the man. So we, she, we see a change in her approach here. She was so excited about what happened to her, she laughed her water pot and she went tell the world about Jesus. Folks, let me tell you this. When you have a missionary selling their homes, their cars, uh, quitting their jobs to go to another country to live in, in conditions, a lot, a lot or very sad conditions in many cases, with one purpose, to tell people about Jesus, I'll tell you what, it's the same thing like this woman. They leave everything. They're too excited. Material things don't matter anymore. The material things of this world. And we have to die to them and say, I don't need this anymore. I remember the missionary to Argentina. We don't support him, but he's a dear friend of mine. He lived in Maryland. Great education. Him and his wife, college degrees and all that. Great jobs. Beautiful home. Good cars. Money in the bank. Sold the house, sold the cars, quit the jobs to be a missionary. The world would say, are you out of your mind? You quit the American dream to go where? He's been in Argentina for over 15 years. Didn't quit yet. Actually, I just saw a picture on Facebook that he sent me the other day. Him and his kids, or this kid, I think, turned 18, whatever it was. I think he has a couple kids now. We're all a blessing to see that. Still serving the Lord. You see, this woman left everything. It changed her heart. Let us see, we see a change in her, in, in her knowledge, in her acknowledgement. I'm sorry. Look what it says in verse 29. Come see a man which told me all things that have I did. Is not this the Christ? Notice how this woman moved from not knowing Jesus to proclaim him as the Messiah. Verse 9, he, he is just another male, Jew. Verse 11, look, look at the way the progression here. Verse 11, she respectfully calls him sir. 
Verse 19, she sees him as a prophet. And by verse 29, she has reached the place where she calls him Christ. And now once, I mean, right in the verses, you can see that. The progression is wonderful. That's how we go. You know, listen, where you are as lost and where you can be as saved, as a Christian, a child of God. I remember when I first went to church and I heard the gospel. I remember those days. I walk in, I'm like, oh, these people are kind of weird. Well, then I sit down, and I was like, oh, but he's preaching the word of God. And, you know, it progressively, you get to that point. Then the pastor says to me, everybody in the church is praying for you. And I said, really? I never heard about people praying for me. What a motivation to walk out of my seat and go accept Jesus as my Savior. You see, we see a, a change in her acknowledgement right here. She went from a person that didn't know anything to great excitement to tell everyone about Jesus. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is this salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Amen. Folks, there are many religions in this world. Yeah. But is there only one Jesus? only one savior jesus didn't die for religion jesus died for you and me Amen. you're more valuable than any religion in this world you're valuable to god you wonder why the heavens rejoice when a soul gets saved because you're valuable to him if we had no if if we would no value to god god would leave heaven to go die on the cross for us no Obviously, we are very valuable to him. He shows his love to us at Calvary's cross. When Jesus opened those arms and was nailing that cross, he's saying to you and me, I love you. But he says, do you love me? And he goes on to say, Jesus said, if you love me, then you keep my commandments. I conclude with this today or this morning. Are you saved? You say, Pastor, I never heard this word. Well, that means, like, do you ever ask God to forgive you of your wrongs, of your sins? Don't tell me that I, I don't do nothing wrong. Because if you say that, you're calling yourself a liar. We all do wrong, all of us. Is asking God to forgive you of your wrongs. Acknowledge Jesus to be the only Savior. And ask him to come to your heart. And be your Lord and Savior. Here's the question. If you were to drop dead right now, this very moment, are you 100% sure that you will be in heaven? You're 100% sure that God would say to you, welcome home, you good and faithful servant. If you're not sure of that, I'll encourage you to make sure of that because you don't want to hear those words apart from me you work of iniquity I never knew you you don't want to face God as a judge you want to face him as a loving father I encourage you this morning I'm not talking about religion I'm not talking about if you've been baptized what religion you belong to what church you go to I'm talking about this this one particular thing do you know Jesus as your savior not religion, it's about one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you ever receive him as your personal 
Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the blessing and the privilege to preach and proclaim your word this morning. And Lord, like the lady in the well, Lord, many of us, or I'm going to say all of us, that are saved here today were lost at one time, and you came to...